This week, we are continuing my conversation with Justin Sinceri, all about getting back to feeling like we are in a safe and social state. It is called the polyvagal theory is what we are really diving into, but most people don't know what that means. And so the best way to describe it and understand it is that we are talking about how to overcome our feelings of fight and flight and shutdown that we experience in our bodies based on situations we encounter in our life, and then use those interactions to learn how we can get to a place where we feel, as Justin calls it, that we are in our safe and social state, where we feel calm, we feel comfortable, we feel safe, and also we feel the need to connect with other people, which is ideal. That's what we as humans are created to do. So let's dive in to this week's episode. Be sure you listen back to episode 48, which is the first part of my conversation with Justin Sinceri, before you listen to today's episode, which is full of amazing things. Hey, my name is Kimberly Beam Holmes, and this is It Starts With Attraction, where we discuss how to become the most attractive that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, or as us insiders call it, the pies. You can become more attractive to others, and most importantly, to yourself. We will teach you how. Let's dive in. So a lot of this has to do with understanding yourself to an extent, or at least as you said, be curious about totally what can lead you up to that. And it's going to be individualized for each person. Um, so we've talked about self-regulation being what has to happen before co-regulation. Once I'm able to self-regulate, then how do I, co- well, let, actually let's yeah. sit here for just one more minute. Cause this okay. makes me think of something that just happened yesterday um, with my kids. So I was just, so stressed out after work yesterday. There was so many things left undone. I, anyway, all these things, right. And my son, when I went downstairs was just the typical four-year-old pouting to the extreme, like every single thing. Right. And it irritated me so much. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just thinking, listening to you, like I was not able to co-regulate with him last night. Cause I'm like, I couldn't even figure out how to get myself right. And I remember even going to bed, like I was still amped up, right? Like I had not made it down or back up my ladder by bedtime. Um, I probably should think more of like what I could have done yesterday. I really wanted a massage. Like I really wanted to go get a massage. Yeah. Um, But that wasn't an option. So, so he needed that from me or he needed it. My husband was able to step in and do it, thankfully, but he needed that for me, but I couldn't get up there. So in a situation like that, what do you recommend people do? Because how am I going to force myself out of that to meet his needs when he needs it? I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as parents, first off. We want to be as co-regulated as possible. We want to be as self-regulated. And that's great. That's a great goal. But we are human. I'm not always self-regulated. I don't go off my kids and like swear at them and stuff like that. But they know when I'm irritated. You know what I mean? So yeah. first off, like let's let's um, go a, a tad easier on ourselves. We're allowed to be stressed out, and we're allowed to let people know, "Look, I'm stressed out. I can't help you out." Unless they need food and water and stuff, like then you got to put aside your stress. But there's times where it's just like you know, I, I just like I'm not there, and it's not going to happen. Like, give me, you know, I need, I need some time. And I, I don't think it's wrong to communicate that to your kids. I think it's pretty healthy to say, "I, I really want to be here for you. I, I just can't. Like, I, I'm not there yet. I need mommy or daddy or whoever. I need to do some deep breathing." 
you know, and like, it's okay to model that for them. It's okay to tell them, look, I, I, I know you want to play. I'm just not there. And that's for my, I have a five-year-old and an 11 year old. My five-year-old is like nonstop playing. He, it's never enough. And I, I just can't fulfill that need for him. <laughs> 24 hours a day. You cannot play with him. It doesn't stop. It doesn't <laughs> stop. Um, but I play a lot. I play day in, day out, but all day incessantly. No. So there, there, there are points where it's just like, you know, I can't provide this for you. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's okay. There's also points where it's like, I, I would love to do this, but I, I can't because I need to do some self-regulation and that's okay too. So in the moment, uh, what, what I find helpful is to remind myself I love my kids. And that for me goes a long way. And just take, and for me, usually one deep breath, like now slowly reminding myself, look, you, you love the heck out of these kids and you can be here for them. It's You can do this. Like that's typically enough for me to, to kind of, do good enough. I'm not, I don't need to, no one needs to be the perfect parent. We're, we're not co-regulating machines. We are human beings. So for me, that's good enough. And and I like the words good enough. I, I don't know what perfect is. I don't know what ideal is, but that's good enough to, for me to kind of get back on track. There's other times where um, I know like he needs some playtime or my daughter needs some playtime. And, um, I've had enough me time and maybe I'm just not in the mood or maybe I am stressed out, but like they need this. So I guess I'm in a way I am forcing myself, but what I'll tell myself is playing is a really good way for me to self-regulate. I know it's a very good way for me to self-regulate, right? I get co-regulation also, I guess. So I'll, I will remind myself that playing Legos is actually pretty grounding. Going outside and playing catch is really fun. And so in the moment, it sounds like, no, leave me alone, but but I can remind myself that play is a really good way to self-regulate and or to co-regulate and self-regulate. So let's just start it and we'll see where it goes. And that, that happens a lot where I'm like, I'm not in the mood, but fine, I'll do it. And by the end of the play session or whatever, it's like, I, I feel really, I'm glad I did this. They got their needs met. I'm more self-regulated. And yeah, so that, that seems to go pretty well. As far as situations where there's a tantrum or homework isn't done or whatever it is, I think the the deep breath and reminding yourself I love them and uh, they need me. They need me to be a safe parent, not a perfect parent, but a safe parent, a good enough parent. That 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 might be enough for somebody, you know. But not just the words of I love them, but you have to allow yourself to take that deep breath and really feel like it is in there. I'm stressed out as all hell. I have this thing to do and that thing to do, and I'm checked out. But within me is, it is there. I might not feel it in the moment, but it is there. I do love my kids. Let me take a deep breath, tap into it, and then and then take that next step of, you know, whatever whatever it is. Mm, I love it. It's so good. Because it's not true for, it's not only true for kids. This could be true for sisters, brothers, husbands, wives, right? Like, I love them. They need me. Yeah. I don't have to be perfect. I can take care yeah. of myself. I can also do something for them. I think that along with some really healthy boundaries, like all that's true, but if you're sacrificing your own values, that's to me, that's not, that's, um, that's not what, not what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Like, I don't expect anyone to put themselves in danger to, to try to co-regulate someone who's not open to it. Or I don't know, like, it's just, I don't expect anyone to sacrifice their values, put themselves in danger, like nothing like that. It's uh, it's, I mean, just, because I know people hear things in all the ways I don't mean to. So hopefully that came across as simply what I meant. And that's good enough. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I totally get it. The, so co-regulation, what are the things that um, in the people in our lives that we could look for to see how can I step in and help them co-regulate? And what are the things we can do to help that happen? So co-regulation is, it's actually a passive thing. We don't Hmm. exactly plan. We could, I guess, plan to co-regulate. But it's it's a passive thing. If I'm in my safe and social state, that will naturally come across. Mm. And the other person on, whether it's my therapy client or my wife or my kids or a friend, they will naturally pick up on those cues of safety. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a passive thing. We don't really plan it out. And I think that if we were to try to plan it out, it would probably come across as very disingenuous. So mm-hmm. if I was in my safe and so, or if I was in my flight fight state, sorry, if I was in like a very flight, high anxiety energy, and I attempted to like smile to show you that I'm safe, like your nervous system would pick up on that mm. and it would detect something is up here. Like something's wrong. Mm. You know what I mean? It, it, and people can probably relate to this with like red flags that we get from people who are straight up trying to con us or people that are trying to get something out of us in yeah. very unhealthy ways. Like you get these red flags of you're saying the right things, you're smiling, but my something, something. within me, yeah, is picking up something else. So, like yeah. there's something disingenuine about this and it, it's yeah. really hard to notice that and then to act on that red flag. And that's, that people have a hard time. That is hard. And then there's a part of us that I think wants to like naturally appease or co-regulate or like give like we're safe. So we kind of, uh, I don't know. It's just, um, we get manipulated. I think, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's not really an idea. I've really tried to develop any further, but there's something within us that kind of it's hard. It's hard to, to say like, no, like something's wrong here. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Especially if you exist more down the ladder, it's really hard to listen to that red flag, which is your safety state saying, no, something's wrong here. This is not right. It's hard to pick up on that and to act on it. Um, so yeah, if, if we try to fake it, I don't, I don't think it comes across as genuine. Mm-hmm. And I think people can deep down recognize that. So mm-hmm. if you want to be a wonderful co-regulator, the best thing to do is to self-regulate as best you can. Mm-hmm. And then enter those interactions with, with a, maybe a spouse that like really needs someone to talk to or, or to listen. Right. So it, to, to do that, you, I think, I think we know when our spouses are faking it, right? Like we know, like, no, you're not listening. <laughs> you, 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 you don't actually care or whatever. Like they, we, we can tell. So yeah. we, we have to genuinely be in our own safe and social state as much as possible. And then we will naturally bring that and we will naturally be empathetic and we will naturally um, want to know more information maybe and, and empathize and say like, yeah, I get it. And we'll normalize and we'll take their feelings seriously. All these things will naturally happen and we'll have eye crinkles when our, when we're, we're, we're listening, our eyes squint and we have these little crinkles right here. So our, mm-hmm. our significant other or a friend or our kids will see that and they don't have to consciously recognize it. They're through their own process of neuroception. They'll pick up on those safety cues. And we'll we'll smile, and those smiles are a cue of safety. They'll they'll pick up on that without us saying to ourselves, like I'm going to smile in this moment, so they know that I'm safe, and then execute the smile. We can't do that like robotic thing. It, it won't come across as genuine. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think it, it might be better than nothing though. So if if we're not in a place where we want to listen to our spouse, just faking it might be better than nothing. I don't know. <laughs> or or saying okay, I'm not quite there but I know they need me. So I'm going to just, I'll do the best I can. 
That's mm-hmm. some, something. That might be, I'm not, maybe I'm not able to give a perfect eye squint and smile. It might not be 100% genuine, but I'm going to at least do the best I can to listen. So it's like I, I'm kind of working my way toward the, you know that. So it might be better than nothing. Uh, but otherwise, I don't think the fake stuff is going to go very far. Mm, yeah. So when we're self-regulated, then we're going to have all those things. Our tone of voice is going to match something that's safe and social. We're going to be more open in our gestures that can help someone, uh, you know, feel like they're in a, that they can come into a safe and social state, but that comes from us first. Yeah. Makes so much sense. Yeah. That's pretty much it. And and that, (laughs) that might feel like a lot of pressure, but again, we we all do the best we can. Well, as long as you're actually doing the best you can. So if you know your weak points and you know what you need to grow on, then yeah, it's kind of up to you to, to make that happen. And co-regulation can be part of that. But ultimately, it is when I, when I think of co-regulation, to me, it's two individuals coming together who are ideally in their top of the ladder as much as possible. And, and so the, the diet is extremely important. But those two people, are it's two people, it's two individuals, ultimately. It's two organisms coming together, two mammals coming together to exchange, hopefully, cues of safety. So yeah, I think ultimately, there's a lot of, of this is just on us to self-regulate. I, I can't, I, I don't think it's uh, healthy or a great idea to rely on other people. It can be useful. It can be healthy in, in some ways. But if if we're saying, I can't do this until someone else does it for me, uh, I don't know. I don't know how, how far that's going to go. You know, ideally that that's a great scenario, but at the same time, I, I want to be the best co-regulator I can for my kids and for my wife and for my friends. So I I put that on myself. I don't expect perfection, but uh, I do know when I'm not doing the best I can. You know what I mean? Like it, so, I, I think there's always room for growth for any of us. But yeah, ultimately, it's a it's two people. It's one per two people coming together, and hopefully, one of those people has a nice strong anchor in their safe and social state, and they can provide those cues of safety for the other person who needs it. Ideally. Mm-hmm. Okay, I could ask you eighteen hundred more questions because this is fascinating. But I'm going to ask you one more. One final one. How do you not let yourself go down the ladder when other people have gone down the ladder? That's really hard. So it, if we live in environments where that's commonplace, like it's just going to happen. It, it's the, the, um, we're, we're going to be constantly picking up on cues of safety. And that, these are the kids that I work with. I work with teenagers in, um, who come from very less than ideal environments. And not just like, you know, the home environment, but the neighborhood, the friendships, um, all of it is just less than ideal or downright awful. I don't, I don't expect them to self-regulate. I want them to, and I, we can definitely work that way. But when they come to my therapy office, I don't, I don't expect them to just snap out of it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not that easy at all. But, and again, this is one of those things where it's um, a sad reality is like, Ultimately, we do live our own individual lives. And ultimately, no matter what our circumstances are, we're responsible for our own lives, right? I I don't know. So it's like that's true. But it's also true that the circumstances we're born into really throw us off course from our natural projection of being these safe and social creatures for each other. So like both those things are true at the same time. And it's it's this, it's this really messed up, I don't know, reality in, in my opinion. So yeah, if you're surrounded by cues of danger, you're you're probably going to exist in a 
in a state of danger. Hopefully you have somebody in your life and the kids I work with, they'll have a teacher in their life that they can identify as a safe person or me as a therapist or a social worker or I don't know, somebody like an aunt, somebody, a grandma, usually it's a grandparent, but they'll have someone that they can at least feel safe around and it's something and they can build off of that. So even if you are saturated in danger, if if you stop and think about it, there there might be a person that is that cue of safety for you that you do actually feel trust, you do feel some love. Or there might be that place, like a, a location. There was someone I was working with and she had a, a lot of cues of danger. But when I asked, like, when do you feel safe? Because we do. There are times where we feel safe. And she she thought about it. And she's like, there was this orange grove that I used to go to with older kids. And the, she felt cool being around older kids. But the orange trees, she felt safe in. Like, that was her anchoring in what it felt like to be safety. So even though she had lots of cues of danger in her life, there was something we could build on. Like, you, there's something there. And that's a hell of a lot better than nothing, right? So there's something there. So what what someone's feeling of safety is, whether it's through a person or a location or an activity or I don't know, like it, it can come from different avenues, but are we mindful enough or slowing down enough to realize, oh, I did feel safe with that. Usually it's a person and a lot of times it's a grandparent with the kids I work with, but they'll say, yeah, there is that one person. It's my grandma or my usually grandma, but grandfather as well. Like I I do feel safe around them or I did before they passed away. Like there, there was, I do know what it feels. My body does know what it feels like to be safe. Even though I'm saturated in danger, it's, it is in there. I did feel it. I can recall it. I can talk about it with Justin in session and and then we can build from there. So I don't know if that answered your question, but (laughs) those are my thoughts. Yeah. Well, giving you something to, kind of a, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like a, like a mile marker. And that's not yeah. the right word. No, Something okay, yeah. You can place your foot in the sand and say, that's what I, that's what I need to get to. So how do I, what are the things that can help lead me to there? there exactly. Now we know kind kind of the end point mm. of once we yeah. get to the top of our ladder, we know what it feels like. We've been there before. And I, I'm working with adults at nighttime now who have lived lifetimes where they haven't had a whole lot of that. Mm. And, but they know what it feels like. And when we talk about it, it's like, Oh, there was that one person. And mm. we're talking about, I, I work with kids in the daytime for a school district who, you know, they're 16, 17 years old, but I'm also now working with adults who have been around for decades and have mm. had decades of not a whole lot of safety and mm. lots and lots and lots of danger cues, but still it's there. It, it is with, within yeah. these people I work with, um, and they can have that as that milestone or that kind of endpoint of mm-hmm. or indication of like this is what it feels like to be safe. It, it is in my, bi- my biology. I don't, and it's not just that I consciously remember what it feels like to be safe, but my body, I can feel it again as I talk about that one person in my life. Those feelings come up, so it's mm-hmm. it's still within you. And the more you can nurture that. Even if you have a life where there's lots of danger cues, the more you can nurture even the little seedlings of safe and social positivity. If you can nurture that, feel into it, you know, and you, you, that can be grown, that can be developed into something else. And once you do that, that'll give you more capacity to make new choices and to to say like this person's not healthy and, and rule them out of your life, and this person kind of feels more healthy and 
to go that direction or just, just to be like, well, I need some me time. I don't need a relationship right now. I just need me time. So the more you develop that, the more capacity you have to make decisions or more options. We'll put it that way. You'll have more options. You'll be able to weigh those options. You'll be able to look at the pros and cons of them and, and make a, a clearer decision. But I think the, the options you'll have, ideas will come to your mind as you self-regulate ideas will come to your mind of like, Oh, I could do this or I can do that. Or I can talk to this person or there's this resource that I heard about years ago and, and never acted upon. But now that I'm closer to my safe and social state or even in it, now I know what to do. Now I, these things now make sense to me right. and, I, and I can use them. Yeah. Justin. Oh, I love it so much. Um, thank you. You're welcome. First of all, And for the listeners who want to know even more and dive deeper into all of these things, you have an amazing podcast, Stuck Not Broken, that people can find on, I'm guessing, anywhere. I listen to it on Apple Podcasts, but I'm sure it's everywhere. But you have more. So what are some other ways that that you help people move through and up their polyvagal ladder? Yeah, so the Stuck Not Broken podcast, I also have a blog I have the Instagram where I release all kinds of my ideas and quotes and whatnot. Um, I have a Patreon. I mean, I have a course. So all this, I'll put, make it easy. All this can be found at justinlmft.com. So if this is intriguing and they want more information, justinlmft.com. And if you're like, I have no idea what my self-regulation looks like. I have a course. It's called Building Safety Anchors. And in that course, I lead you through 30 days where I there's a lot of learning and a lot of doing, but in like small doses, I don't want to overwhelm people. So it's 30 mm-hmm. days of small dose learning and doing. And I, I guide people through here's, here's six paths, potential paths for self-regulation. We talked about one of them, which was music. Um, we talked, uh, did we talk about there's music? Oh, body movements, mm-hmm. um, using your senses. So that's three. And there's three more paths that people can utilize to actually access their, their safe and social pathways to feel, safe in that moment. Um, yeah, that's, that's on, it's all on just LMFT.com. I got lots of stuff <laughs> that I'm bringing out. I love it. And, and really, I mean, other than like Dr. Porges, um, Peter Levine, you, you're kind of up there with having the most information out there about this. I hope so. You, I've bust my, you are. <laughs> Deb Dana does a really good job. She's one of my main sources for, for learning about this stuff. But, um, yeah, I hope I, I every week I have a new blog, and a new podcast episode and new Patreon and a whole bunch of stuff on Instagram every day. So yeah, I'm, I'm putting out a ton of stuff. So hopefully people are finding it helpful. And I, people tell me they've heard every podcast episode. So people are like binging and they take it in. It's a lot. There's a lot of stuff (laughs) out there and hopefully it's helpful. Absolutely. It is. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. I definitely hope our listeners go and check out all of those resources because they are very valuable for our lives. Thank you so much for what you do. You're welcome. Thanks for having me again. So I loved having Justin on today and being able to talk about that, but here are the key pies takeaways specifically that I have from today's episode talking about polyvagal theory. The first one is this. We as humans crave to be in our safe and social 
state. And safe and social is where we feel safe. We feel like our environment is there to support us, not to attack us. We feel comfortable. We feel like we can be open and vulnerable. And we are more likely to want to be social. We want to have people around us that we love. We want that human interaction and attention. We, we're more likely to want to talk to people, right? Like all of this can in, evolve or involve our safe and social state. So the question that this key pious takeaway leads to is, what does your safe and social state look like? And how can you get there? Justin gave some really great ideas of things that you can do and how they're they're individualized for every single one of us, but things that we can do to get back to our safe and social state. So for me, I know some of the things that I can do to get back up there is singing. Singing out loud. <laughs> this is something I do every morning. I really try to. Um, I'll go for a walk and I will sing while I walk. I sound crazy. I know that I sound crazy, but I have my AirPods in. I'm listening to some kind of music. I'm going for a walk or a run and I want to sing. Like this really helps me get to just a good baseline level for me to have a good day. Another, uh, other things, movement for me is definitely for sure. Some days I want to move by lifting heavy weights or going for a run. Some days I want to move by doing yoga and doing something a little bit slower or just going for a walk. All of those things are helpful to me. Being outside is something that helps me get back into my safe and social state. Sometimes meditation does. Sometime med- sometimes meditation is too much for me. And sometimes me getting into my safe and social state is me calling a friend or my mom or my sister um, or going into the bedroom and talking to my husband and just venting until I'm able to feel like I have a connection with someone, that someone cares about me, and, and then I feel better about it. There's some different tools I have in my tool belt. What are those for you? My second key pies takeaway from today's episode is that in order for us to show up and be present for the other people in our lives, it requires us to self-regulate first. This is the pies. This is us working on ourselves, being the best that we can be in order for us to pour into others in our lives, to show up and be present for the people who need us. That's, that's, what we do here. That's what we're trying to do. But specifically when we're talking about self-regulation, it's what, what we were just talking about. How can you get to that safe and social space? And what does that look like for you? Do that first. Key point here, don't expect someone else to do that for you. Yes, that's ideal. We want to have a partner in our life, our husband, a best friend, a parent who can help or a wife who helps us get to that place but we shouldn't depend on it because that's not necessarily the most healthy thing either. Ideally, we have that as children. We would have parents who teach us how to co-regulate and co-regulate with us, which can help us then self-regulate, but we don't all have that. We didn't all have that when we were kids. So now is the chance to learn how to do that. Another thing that we can do to help self-regulate or learn how to self-regulate is get a really good therapist who can help you identify what this is. Justin is a therapist, is one of those therapists, but I'm sure there might be some in your area. They can at least be a person who can help you learn and navigate that for a period of time until you get to a point where you feel confident in self-regulating yourself. My third key highest takeaway from today's episode is that you're not going to be perfect at this. 
There's going to be bad days. There's going to be days that are better than other days. But the point is it's a journey. We're continuing to learn more about ourselves. Every day I learn more about myself. But the key is taking time to actually look inward and assess those things. For me, it doesn't work when I'm going 100 miles an hour day in and day out and not taking time to step back and look inward and sit with myself in silence, maybe with my journal, and really just think about what is going on in my life, what's going on in my body, and what can I do to get to be in a better state. That is something I have to do at least on a weekly basis and really ideally on a daily basis because it's always changing. Where I am right now in my life is different than where I was 12 years ago. Now I need more time alone. I need more time for that self-reflection. Whereas 12 years ago, my life was different. I had less demands on me. I had, I didn't have children. I wasn't married. I wasn't the CEO of a company and running two jobs, right? Like I wasn't doing all that. And so I was able to be more spontaneous and extroverted. And I spent all of my time with friends and, and all of those things. That's where I was then. It's not where I am now. So these things change. And I am sure that five years from now, my self-regulation and the things that I need and what I would like to help me to get to a safe and social state is going to look even different. That's why we have to keep checking in with ourselves. So Remember, this is a journey. It's called a polyvagal ladder. And basically when you're at the top of the ladder is when you're safe and social. But when you feel yourself start coming down that ladder, which basically means you, you're you entering into a stage of fight or flight where you're wanting to run away from something or you're wanting to fight something, or you get to that stage of shutdown where you just want to go into a dark room or a corner and be alone and it's and it's really combined with these feelings of not having enough self-worth and all of that, then that is where you're going down the ladder and it's good to get back up the ladder. So we want to get back up the ladder. The goal is to be in safe and social state. We do that by self-regulation. We're not always going to be perfect at it. It's going to keep changing throughout our lives, but the key is to be aware of it and to do what we can on a daily basis to get to be as safe and social as we can for our situation in life that day. I hope that this episode was as amazing for you as it was for me. Friends, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Remember to go and subscribe to this podcast and leave an honest review. I love to hear from you guys. So be sure to go and do that. And it will also help more people find the podcast as well. You can always find out more information by going to itstartswithattraction.com for show notes, for updates, and to join the email list so that every Friday you can get an encouraging email that specifically tells you what you can do to work on your pies so that you can become the best that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. Until next week, keep working on your pies and stay strong.